It's episode 33 of the Formation Podcast. Thank you again for joining us. Hello to you. Um, we started to look ahead to the Euros fairly early on this podcast, but it's now very, very close indeed. We're into double digits now in terms of the number of hours left until it all gets underway. Um, I'm getting very excited. I'm getting a bit carried away, as anyone watching on YouTube might be able to see in the background. Um, I've got my England flag up on the wall. I've, I've added to what I already had last week. Um, and it kind of felt like once the one-week countdown passed, once England's last game was over, last warm-up game, the excitement really started to build. Harry, would you agree with that? Do you think you're now starting to get a little bit carried away? I've got over the disappointment of Warprouse not getting called up. I try to search for any possible Scottish links in my family to cheer on the, the Saints boys from there, but I haven't. I couldn't find any, and I'm fully rooting for England to win the Euros. Do I think it's going to happen? Maybe not, but I am very, very excited for it all to kick off. It just feels like there's not been a break from football, which I love, by the way. The Premier League's finished, yes. They go straight into nationals, straight into Euros, and then it's only a few weeks till the league season starts. So, Whatever football you can feed me, I'm right here. The mouth's open. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it, it kind of kicks in for everyone as it gets so close, doesn't it? But it really is a very exciting time. And that, that's why we're here, as we've said in previous weeks. I think um, this week is when our kind of Euros podcast really kick in because, you know, that that's all people really care about at this stage, isn't it? Not the fact that Emmy Wendier has disappeared. But um, I didn't need to mention that. Um, moving on from that, Devon, the two England warm-up games, um, they weren't particularly entertaining, were they? I, I think that's fair to say. Do you think we should take much from that or not? Do, do you think really they're just games that they have to play, but really they don't really mean anything? I think the worrying thing for me is that Gareth seems to think, or maybe the process is, is that, the three group games are going to be a little bit like warm-up matches for the, the strongest 11. And that's what worries me more than anything, uh, especially with how solemn the, the actual two performances were. And I think the outer squad, there were only probably five players that could take credible, um, you know, uh, applaudits for how they performed because the rest of the squad that are on the periphery and those in the seven, apart from James Ward-Prowse and Ben White, who did perform quite well, have not really stuck a claim to start. Um, you know, you, Sam Johnson's done himself no arms with that performance, but you're looking at, you know, Tyrone Mings, who's supposed to be our main left-footed centre-half, who in a back three is probably a shoo-in at the minute. To get in there, he's, he's not really pulled up any trees and he's made us fear um, a couple of times where he's uh, looked very, very dodgy. But overall, I think you can't read too much into it. I mean, I remember last uh, tournament, Wales in... 2016 had a poor running and obviously look at what happened after that yeah very true um sam devon's led me on to the next thing before we kind of go into the home nations and a bit more on them um he mentioned james ward prowse in there who we mentioned last week as we know harry was very keen for ward prowse to be in the squad but he wasn't selected do you think southgate might come back to regret that decision or do you think in the grand scheme of things it might not matter too much at all. I think it's probably the latter. I think the, the Ben White pick came out of nowhere, really. It sort of came after the, the second game where it was heating up quite a lot that he was going to be picked. And obviously, I don't think he's a, a bad pick necessarily. Obviously, he's mainly a defender, but he can also play in that defensive midfield role if need be, which he probably won't. But like you say, they're not. they're probably going to be on that Whoever was picked, they were probably going to be on the periphery. Obviously, it's disappointing from a Saints perspective, like Harry said, to not see Ward Prowse in there. Maybe someone who can mix it up at set pieces, but hey ho. Yeah. Uh, and the way this is going to work on this kind of preview show, as we're going to call it, is we want to talk through the three home nations who are involved, starting with England. I think England is everyone's area of kind of expertise, you could say. Um, then touch on Scotland and Wales and then we just want to make a few predictions um, to make ourselves look silly at the end of the tournament when Hungary win the whole thing um, no what am I on about um, 
But moving on to England, I know we've already touched on England there, but we're, as we said, we kind of want to look ahead to the group games, see how far we can get. So two one nil wins against Austria and Romania at the Riverside, as we've kind of just mentioned there. It was a bit of a strange situation for Southgate. I think that's fair to say, given that several of his players weren't able to feature, having only just returned from European action with their clubs. Um, Harry, we've kind of spoken a bit there about the players who were being considered as kind of the replacement for Trent Alexander-Arnold. But from a more general sense, who are the players who did feature in the friendlies that you felt really stood out and gave themselves a good claim for maybe a starting spot against Croatia? I think I'm, I'm pretty similar to Devon in the fact that there was nothing overly exciting. Obviously, the one obvious name, I think he got man of the match in both games, is Jack Grealish. I think hopefully he does start over the two conventional players of Sterling and Rashford. I think that's always the worry, at least from my point of view, that him and Foden are going to get left out for the more, you know, not the not the bigger names per se, but the more trusted ones. So that's my worry. But apart from that, I think everyone was pretty simple, pretty basic. The, the performances were okay. You know, we got the wins. That's the main thing. I don't care how we play in the Euros. If we win every game 1-0, we win the tournament. So that's that's the main thing. But games against Austria and Romania, we're not going to have games that simple across any part of the tournament. All of our group games are more difficult than that. And all the knockout games are going to be more difficult than that. So it was a bit disappointing, to be honest. It was very, very disappointing. But like we said, we, we miss quite a lot of the key players. So hopefully when they get established, when they get put in the team, it'll, it'll all be okay again. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd have to agree with you there on Grealish. I think after the two friendlies, I think Southgate would be a brave man to not start him against Croatia. Although, as we know, someone is going to have to miss out in those attacking positions. So it's going to be interesting to see who does miss out. Um, Sam, I, I think before we move on as well, Another man who I thought kind of put himself about fairly well across the two friendlies was Jude Bellingham, someone who maybe a few English fans don't really know a lot about having, you know, he's never played in the Premier League. He had a season for Birmingham. Then he went to Dortmund. We've seen glimpses of him in the Champions League. But in those friendlies, he showed exactly why he's in that squad. He might not even be 18 yet, but there's some player there, isn't there? Yeah, one of the shouts for young player of the tournament, I think, which we'll obviously get into a bit later, because he's going to, well, at least I think he's going to have a big role to play in the squad. Are there any five out-and-out -out midfielders being selected? And like you say, he certainly put his name in the in the shop window, so to speak, for Southgate to pick him for the first game. And I think he's a, a really exciting, really exciting talent playing his trade out there in Germany now with Dortmund and doing really well. Mm -hmm. As for Ben White then, Devon... Um... As Sam mentioned in the kind of intro section, it it wasn't a player yeah. many expected to get the call, and now he's in the 26-man squad. You mentioned how Mings and Cody are maybe people are starting to raise a few concerns over them. Do you think, given we don't expect Harry Maguire to be fit enough for Croatia, do you think there's a chance Ben White starts that game? Um. How if, if it comes from my heart or gut, then yeah, uh, my heart says definitely. I think I think he's shown enough in there that even if um, we play with a back three, he's very comfortable with coming out with the ball um, and supporting that attack. And you'd like to think that we're going to be on the front foot most games uh, until we face the latter. And obviously, when we eventually meet up with Group F, uh, which is going to be worrying. Well, I say eventually, but <clears throat> you never know with England. Um, I think the Cody more more astute than Mings. I think he's got a bit more of a, a steady head rather than Mings because I mean we saw it in really the first ten minutes where he stepped out of defence with the ball coming in and went in with his elbow towards one of the Austrian players. And we know Austria Austria gave a little bit of bite in that game, but you don't want you're expecting these players. And Mings is not like a young lad either. He's he's, he's what 26, 27. He should be mature enough. Um, I don't know what is in the water in Suffolk, George. What you've been having, anyway. But uh, he should be. He should be. He should know more and be better than that. And you're representing your country as well. You've got to take a bit of pride in that. And he's. He, I think he's thrown away his chances. Um, if he weren't left-footed, he won't be in this squad anyway. But um, I think 
to answer your question, I think White's probably a bit... I, I'd be more confident with White. Um, and he's also played a lot of games at that left centre-half as well for Brighton. Um, so it, it'd be kind of going into a familiar role. It just depends how he deals with the pressure because he's only a young lad as well. The problem with England is there is actually no real certainty how we're going to line up, to be honest. I mean, there's, I think most of us have a, a decent idea of what, we, what we're going to line up like, but it's it's difficult to say and it's going to be difficult for Southgate to get the balance right. We're obviously got loads of attacking talent, but on the other end of the pitch, it is a bit worrying, like you say, with Mings being found out quite a few times in those warm-up games, especially in the in the second game, we conceded a lot of challenge, a lot of chances, shall I say, and Johnston had to be at, at his best to keep them out. So it's difficult and it's going to be difficult for Southgate to find that balance, like I say. I think all good teams is oh sorry Josh. No, go on. I was gonna say I think all good teams, um but team of winners, the the biggest thing is your defence. If you don't have a consistent defence that play week in, week out, especially your back two or three, then you're going to have problems. And I think we've, we're kind of pinning us hopes on Harry Maguire coming back in and being fit enough to, to come straight back into the squad, which, as I voiced my concern about Jordan Henderson, it, it, it's too much of a so risk, it's, especially yeah. in a, it's especially in a against Croatia, is it, Maguire? Considering they're saying he was only just started running like a day or two ago. It's like... I, th- I just think his thought process has been hindered by trying to pe- it please the public, but also get his favourites in. And it's not a bad thing having them them people in that you can trust. It's just, it, it, it's a bit damning when you're trying to rush players back in a tournament like where it's quite intense. You play in every, every three days and You've got to you've got to keep up them levels, and if you're not fully fit, you're going to struggle, and that could end up hurting England. Yeah, that yeah. is that is my concern. Looking at if Maguire's first game is in a knockout, he could be facing any one of Mbappe, any one of Cristiano Ronaldo, or just Germany's front line in general, whether that be Müller, Gnabry, Sane, whoever's playing up there. And I think that that is a bit of a worry for me. You know, you look at the the first competitive game against Croatia, and there's a chance the back two or back three are going to be a collection of players that haven't played together before. I know they would have done in training, but you can't replicate a match situation on a on a training pitch, basically. So what I would have done if I was England manager, and this is going to sound very silly, so to, just wait for this, I would have actually selected two English centre-backs that play together in the Premier League. So maybe... For Brighton, I know they switch from a back three to a back two, but select Dunk and White because they play together because it's just that natural connection. For Aston Villa, select Mings and Konza because they play together. Then wait till the knockout stages where Stones and Maguire have already played together because you look at the defence that we've got and it just it just feels disjointed. And we've come against teams that necessarily don't have that much attacking threat or power. And even then we've looked a bit questionable. So... Uh, to say I'm worried about our defensive stability without Maguire, and then when Maguire comes in because he's not played in a long time, is is a bit of an understatement, really. One of the things that's not been mentioned as much is John Stones, and obviously we know he's had a fantastic year. However, we've seen him sometimes when he's not with someone that he's familiar with. So when he's when he's played with Diaz, when he's played with Laporte, he's been absolutely tremendous. When he's played with Maguire at England level, he's been very good. When he's played with players like Otamende and somebody that's a little bit not on his level slash a little bit wobbly, he doesn't look right. And and that's one of the things that's going to probably hinder us this year. Dumped a bucket of cold water there on England there for about five yep. minutes. We've I mean, got... I... Let's have the confidence. <laughs> on, the, on the Stones thing though, Dave, I... I agree with you that that is maybe a concern, but it, it's not reason enough to not play him, is it? Because he, he, oh, he's I'm, still... I'm not saying that we shouldn't play Stones. I'm just saying it's it's probably a consideration. No, maybe I, no someone, I agree with you. Maybe if we did go for a back three and had Walker there, that'd be that kind of link that'd keep him on his toes and keep him well in. It's it's a bit it's a bit strange. Uh, John Stones' temperament sometimes. Um, he can he could either be the best defender in the Premier League or he could be looking into Norwich's backline the other year. <laughs> um I think before we move on to talk about Scotland, um as the anticipation for the tournament has 
risen. I think people will have seen on social media that several fans and journalists have taken part in these tournament predictors where you pick who you think is going to go through and then you predict the tournament tree. And the England fans have discovered that if England win their group, then the chances are it's going to be a pretty difficult last 16 game because if England win Group D, they will face the runners-up from Group F, which is, of course, the group of death. Um, that will be in the last 16. This has led to some suggesting that England would maybe be better off finishing second in an attempt to avoid the likes of France, Germany and Portugal in the last 16. Sam and Devon, you're both shaking your head. Sam, this is, not, you this is not a winning mentality. You, you don't we? share that? No. Go go out and try and win every game. And we're gonna have we're gonna have to come up against these sides eventually if we want to win the whole thing. So I don't really see the the logic in that, to be honest. Yes, it's obviously gonna be an easier game if we finish second, but like I say, that's not the right mentality to have, I think, going into a tournament. I have to say I, I completely agree with you. Um because I, I think some people are blind to the fact that if we were to finish runner up, then will then probably end up momentum in the momentum is momentum is so big in sport in football as well mm-hmm. and if we go we go into yes we'll be facing one of france portugal or germany likely but if we go into that game with three or wins Hungary. yeah you never know but if we go into that game with three wins from three and feeling good about ourselves then we have every chance that would also buy us a, a game at wembley too i suppose so you know i, I think people are maybe ignoring the wider picture but who knows um what am i gonna touch on it should we make some should we make some predictions on where england where england get to um, uh, I, I i've been i've been quite involved in the in previous episodes I, i've been quite confident but i'll ask you guys first how, how far you think england will get Sam, shall I ask you first? Or does anyone want to volunteer to stick their neck on the line first? Semi-finals. Semi-finals for Sam. Yeah. Devon? Round of 16. No. I think we'll I think we'll get through and then Portugal. It's just something about this tournament. I don't feel right yeah. about it. I, I I just feel like it we feel rushed. We feel not not together. I don't know. It's just something about like 2018. It was kind of like that's no the same for pressure. everyone, though. Really, I think that's just because of, of the season being unique, as it's as it has been. Obviously, we're going straight into the tournament after just finishing the league season, so it's going to be the same for everyone. I think in that sense. Harry, well, what do you I, reckon? I'm happy to concede defeat if if we get through and win it. I, I'm so <laughs> glad Devin said it first. I, I'm from. I'm scarily thinking round of 16 as well i'm thinking if we face any one of portugal france or germany i think we'll face germany out of the three i just feel so uninspired against a team like germany especially because like devin said i know everyone's rushed but i sort of feel gareth southgate might go do you know what let's just chuck henderson and Maguire in both at the same time for the first game of the season and it'll be just i just i can't see it don't be wrong i love it if it does happen and i can see it feasibly happening but I'm just looking at the other teams that we're going to face and I'm thinking, blimey, that, that's dangerous. That's very dangerous. But that means if we get past the round of 16, I think a quarter, as long as we finish first and fit, come against one of those teams, I think it's still reasonably successful because we've actually beaten a big team. I think as long as we beat a big team, I think it's a successful tournament to an extent. If we just go out against another big team like we did last year or, or 2018 when it wasn't even really that much of a big team, then, then it's just going to be another disappointing season or, or summer. So, yeah, sadly for me, I think round of 16 is where we'll exit. But, George, I'm looking for positivity from you, and I think I'm going to get really, it. We're really building the excitement for an English uh, aren't we? <laughs> I, well, when I, to, uh, go on. when I did the... Um, when I've done one of those little tournament predictors, I had, um, I had England winning the group, and I had a France-England final. Um because I, I I have I have been getting maybe a little bit carried away with the singing of the world in motion and everything else over the last week or so, um, but I I just feel like there's been a little bit of an overreaction to the two warm up games because 
I, I felt like watching it, I was like, this isn't actually the team we're going to play with. And I think when we get to the group stage and we see the the actual players that we've got at our disposal, the, the likes of Foden and Mount and the the strongest team we've got, I think hopefully they will show just how strong we can be. Um, obviously, France, Germany and Portugal is a scary prospect, but the, the home advantage is going to be big. Um, and I, I'm kind of at the stage now where I've got my flag up and I just think, yeah, let's that, let's believe a little bit. You know, <laughs> England, England brought us this three years ago. They brought the excitement then. So why the hell not again? Like, well, If we win three games out of three in the group, I'm fully backing us winning it. I'm just concerned if we draw against Croatia, Scotland beat the Czech Republic, and then that game against Scotland's just massive, and then we draw that one, and then we just sneak past Czech Republic, then it'll be a bit edgy. But then if we win all the three games in the group, I'm well up for it. Here we go. Let's do this. But that's a big... I still think that's a massive ask to win all three games in the group. As Sam said, though, momentum is everything. As soon yeah. as you, If you win them three games, like, could you imagine if we've just got to bite the bullet and say if we beat if we play Portugal, we get as if we beat Portugal, who were being even talked about as one of the winners, just think of the confidence running through everyone there. I just don't back because we did talk about as you know saying oh if we finish second we've got the easiest route and I think that's our mentality all the time. We feel like we go with whatever's easiest, we deflect blame, and I'm just a bit worried about our temperament. And I mean. Southgate completely changed that in 2018. Is he going to do it again? Not sure. I agree with you about um, about that mindset. I, I do think it is it is a lot about finding that easiest route because we have got to the stage now where because we've lost so many nothing games, friendlies, qualifiers, whatever against these big teams, we think oh, we won't beat them again. But I, I do feel like the way the way Southgate has been speaking in the press about how oh, we picked this squad to play nine games, whatever it was. That was before the two friendlies, obviously. You know, he, he's not saying we're here just to have a good time and see how far we get. He's, he's been pretty clear in that he wants to get to the latter stages. And I, I think he does believe we're capable. So let's see what happens anyway. I, I, just, I, just, I, I don't want to counteract that, but no manager's going to come out and say, yeah. oh, look at this big stadium we're going to play at. No, but I, I think... That's different from what it was like at the World Cup, isn't it? I, I don't think at, at the yeah. World Cup. I don't, I don't think there was this expectation. Could be a good thing. Could be it. a bad thing, though. At the same time. No, true, but um, Ex- expectation is expectation has yeah. worked against us on many occasions. But anyway, yeah, I, I just set myself up to look a little bit silly in a couple of weeks, but never mind. Um, never we're going to talk about. Scotland next so we will take a quick break well we there won't be a break but we will there'll be a little cut and then we'll be back to talk about Scotland (laughs) one zoom call ends and another one begins um sorry for that little weird ending at the end of that the the zoom application only tells you when the call is ending very late so I I suddenly realized no we're gonna have to switch here but anyway um we've spoken on England we've stuck our necks on the line surrounding England in England's group, of course, is another home nation, Scotland. Um, it's their first major tournament since the 1998 World Cup. So it's a big deal for them, as they kind of showed when they beat Serbia in that last qualifying game on penalties. Um, it was a big deal and fair play to them. It, it seems that the excitement up there is certainly ramping up as well. I think I'm not sure if any of you guys saw the, the Snickers PR campaign the other day with the they're trying to call for a day off or something like that maybe it goes ahead who knows um but I do think there is an incredible hunger from the Scotland fans to prove a lot of people wrong at this tournament and mainly to prove England wrong to be honest because I I think there's a little bit of arrogance from England fans about beating them in the tournament Harry do you think they are capable of doing that though can they go to this tournament and, you know, put themselves on the map a little bit. They're already on the map, but, you know, properly do that. Well, I did the Euro predictor this morning for the first time. I spent a couple of minutes, you know, thinking about where everyone's going to come. And I've actually got them going further in the tournament 
than England. I think they're going to finish second in the group. And on my piece of paper, they will fin- they will play against Poland. And I know they've got Robert Lewandowski, but I oh, Scotland have a lot of danger. <laughs> and they, I know they'd have France in the quarterfinals, so it might be a bit dangerous. But I think Scotland, obviously, they're not going to win it. But I think a lot of people are underestimating them. I think they've got a good little squad coming together. They've got a few nice little players. They they switch between a two up front. They like to put McTominay in the defence, which is... No, I mean, it's worked for them. They're in the tournament for the first time in 23 years. So it, it's, something's obviously working. But yeah, I think they're going to have a good tournament. I think this, they're a bit unlucky that they're in a group where there's not any sort of whipping boy. I think any team can qualify in the top two. I think the Czech Republic have been on decent form. They beat Albania yesterday or when we were recording. Croatia are a little decent side. We're very good, or at least the England fans would think we're very decent. We, we could get to the final if everything goes our way. But well, I do you, think you don't think we're good very well. good if you I I said kids. I said kids. Kids. Because <laughs> I think if we finish, we play if we played against Poland, we beat Poland. But hopefully, we don't play Poland. We play Germany. Or, or, well, I wish we played Hungary, but that's not going to happen. But um, yeah, I think I think Scotland. Scotland are the dark horses of this tournament. Really, I really do think they are. I think they're very good. Sam, what's your take on Scotland? Um, uh, it's difficult to be honest. I think Harry. With this point saying that any it's, it's there's not really a, a gettable result in the group that they're in, that's going to be a difficult thing for them. Obviously, Steve Clark's done a good, a good job with them to get them to this to- a major tournament for the first time since '98. But I just think they're a bit too pragmatic. I don't know if that's the right word, but I think they lack sort of they lack sort of talent going forward. They lack a bit of attacking width, and with sorry to say this, Harry, but with Che Adams as your main goal-scoring threat, I think you're in a bit of trouble there when it comes to a major tournament. So it's difficult. I mean, the two best players, it's an issue really for them because their two best players really play in the same position in Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney. But obviously, Kieran Tierney has shown that he can play on the left of a, of a back three as well for Arsenal. So I think that's probably what they'll go with, I imagine, to get them both in the side. But I just, maybe with the whole buzz around it like I say with it being their first tournament in a while you know it could be another Wales of 2016 you never know but I'm I'm really not sure to be honest yeah Devon Steve Clark looking to take Scotland to the knockout stages of a major tournament for the first time how important do you think their first game which is at Hampden Park against Czech Republic who I think many perceive to be the team who Scotland are most likely to finish above. How important could that game be for them? I think they've, if if they've got any sort of chance of getting into the latter stages, they've got to get three points from that. Um, I think anything other than three points, and they're looking at the bottom of the group just because. Um, and don't get me wrong, Czech Republic have a decent side as well. Um, obviously, we've we've known that you know Sorichek and. And Kufal have been fantastic in the in the Premier League for West Ham, but overall, I think the sides a little bit of a, um, you know, like you get your sides that in the Euros that pick up a couple of points, you know, like Sweden and stuff like that. Um, they, they are organised, but so is Scotland. Scotland are well organised. They've got a good balance, and 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 especially in terms of what they lack in quality, they've got in that balance. Um, I think obviously the the they're missing big players such as Liam Palmer and Callum Patterson, but uh, they, uh, they, I think, I think overall, like, you know, like, like so Lyndon Dykes will, will force things in tight areas and that'll allow Shea Adams to drive through. I think John McGinn is a key aspect to that as well, but you look at the defence and we've mentioned it with England, but th- there's, there's a lot of low level players, not a lot of quality. You just, I think for Scotland, it's going to be a lot of heading and a lot of tough tackling just to get it out and, um, they're going to be one of the sides that's quite negative, which could in the long run hurt them. But if it's just about getting that three points, I think. And then again, as we've said with momentum, they get that first three points, taking that into the England game, especially if we slip up against Croatia. I really don't want it to happen, but it might. They just mm. like that that player that's going to get you off your seat, I think, in the, in the attacking third. They like that maverick, I think, that's going to switch things up for them. I think they're a good unit, like we said already, but you need that sort of standout player, and I don't think they have that. Yeah, I mean, 
Ollie McBurney would have offered a little bit of that maverick mentality in someone that's a little bit, a little bit aggressive in the back in the final third. But you know, we, we're going to talk about Wales soon, and they've obviously got Bale. They've, they've not got that kind of person that will take that full responsibility. Um, I think the the left back um, and left centre half in Tierney and, and Robertson, like Sam said, will be a good positive to get balls in the area for Dykes to get onto, but. The right hand side's not very good either. I mean, is it um, what's his name? Stephen O'Donnell? Is that is that his? I don't, I don't Jane, think James Forrest strong. as well. I think he's Forrest right sided. Yeah, sure, but, but overall, I mean, you never know. Alex Wood slash Stuart Armstrong might create something. <laughs> but I'm I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, yes, well drilled, well drilled teams with no special player won't win you a tournament. But I do think that a tournament or sorry a well-drilled team with a decent core and a couple of decent players can get you into the second position and into the knockouts you know I'm not suggesting they're going to win it but I think having that core having that spine and knowing their positions I do think that they could cause a couple of upsets I don't think they're going to beat France if they get that far but I do think that they can do better than what a lot of people are expecting I think they are going a bit under the radar. No, I, I think you're right in that sense, Harry, purely because this tournament, with, with the fact that four third-place teams go through, you know, it, it's not easy to go through, but it, it's also not that easier. difficult, you know. Um, yeah, e- easier. But um, I, I think their fans certainly feel a certain confidence. I've read a few pundits, Scottish pundits, who seem to think that they are going to cause England a few problems and everything else. With that England against Scotland game, I think we know that nearer to the time, in in about a week's time, that the preparations for this in the media and everything else, it's going to be a massive build-up. I think when it comes to England and Scotland, I think we'd all agree that England have the best team on paper. So in that sense, is it more for England about going into that with the right mentality about how much this will mean to the fans? And if they get that right, then surely it will be an England win. Would you agree with that? And with any game in the tournament, really, you can't take anyone lightly. I think, like I've said before, it's, it seems to find a way that every game that you play, no matter who you play, they tend to be quite tight. You don't see many thrashings. So I think we'll we'll still have to be on our game to beat a team like Scotland, like we said, who are very well drilled. Mm-hmm. So Harry has already told us he he reckons they're going to get out of the group. Um, I personally think they're going to get third. I think they will beat the Czech Republic, and I, I think they'll get third. And that means that there's a good chance. If you normally, if you if you get a win, if you finish on three points, there's a good chance you will go through. That that can sometimes be all you need to be one of those best best third placed teams. Devon, what's your take on it? Um, I'm I'm, I'm going to say just to spice it up a little bit. I'm going to say bottom and go out in fourth. I think Czech Republic, um, I think just being at Scott, it, it can go two ways, but I think the first game is crucial. And I think if they if they turn up and they're like, wow, we're at the Euros, Czech Republic will punish them straight away. And if, if whoever wins that first game will get that third spot, I believe. So, um, but I, I, think, I think Czech Republic might just be too much for them. And then obviously got to hope that England turn up and, uh, and you'd expect Croatia would probably do them as well. Sam, I am actually going to say bottom as well. I think the, you know, those having those games at Hamden might help, and like I say, the buzz around it may push them. But I think the Czechs are a good team, and Croatia obviously proves that in, in the World Cup. They're obviously a bit of an aging squad, but the Czechs are a decent team, very dangerous at set, set pieces, especially. And I think they'll struggle in all the games. They might get a point or two here and there, but I think bottom for Scotland. There we go. Then it seems we're we're pretty split on Scotland. So one of us will probably be right, and unless they go and top the group, which I don't think we'd be too <laughs> that impressed. That would be with. a nightmare. <laughs> um, moving on then to a team who I think we've already referenced a couple of times in this episode because of um, what they produced at the last European Championships is Wales. Um, of course, making the semi-finals in that tournament. They're in Group A. Of the tournament this time um the bookies don't see them doing it again I had, I had a quick look before we started to record you can get odds of 18 to 1 for wales to 
reach the semi-finals this time. Um, Devin, do you think that's fair? Do you think, you know, was it a fluke five years ago or is that unfair? What's your take on their chances this time? Um, I don't think it were a fluke. I mean, like again, like we've said, momentum and mentality are big things in these tournaments. Um, and I think Wales seem to have just, I think if they rekindle that, then there's going to be some sort of upward movement. They are not blessed with um, with many high-quality players. Obviously, the the likes of Gareth Bale have shown at parts this season that they still have, he still has the quality to win your games. I mean, it, it's been a couple of times at Tottenham where he's looked absolutely dire, don't want to be there, but you'd expect when he's at Wales that he's going to perform to his maximum. Um, players like, I think one person that's gone under the radar in terms of who's getting talked about, um, especially in the two qualifying games, they, they've started with a centre-forward in Harry Wilson, who's got uh, 18 goal involvements in 30 Seven games for Cardiff, but his counterpart, Kiefer Moore, um, is an unpredictable player, somebody that they can feed off, someone that can be their focal point. And, you know, you know, bit target men can win your games. And when, you, uh, and when you've got players like Aaron Ramsey running in behind, um, it can be that that can win your games like 1-0. So just it, when it's quite tight. But do I think Wales have the quality? No, I think it's very much a championship side that in a group in a group where Turkey look very good and Switzerland are a solid outfit, I can't see Wales getting out. Yes, and such is the nature of this tournament um, that Wales are going to be doing a lot of travelling over the next week and a half or two weeks. They start in Baku with their first game. Then they hop over to Rome and then they're back out to Baku. Um, the debate over whether Baku should even be one of the host cities in this tournament, we're, we're not going to have that now. I, I personally think it's ridiculous. Um, but Sam, that, that's not ideal, is it, that they're having to do that? Do you think that will leave them at a bit of a disadvantage? Yeah, it's one of the couple of negative aspects for Wales, I think, going into this tournament. You could argue that they actually have overall they actually have a better squad than they did in 2016 with the young talent that they've got the likes of Dan James Tyler Roberts David Brooks Ethan Ampadu Neko Williams that they're all relatively inconsistent as well but like I say I think they've probably got a better more exciting squad this time but like I say all that traveling is not going to help and obviously the the late management change that they've had with the whole Ryan Giggs controversy is not going to help either and that's why I think I see them struggling it's, a, it's been a little bit of a case like England is that in the two games that they've played, they've not had a settled first team 11 yet. Um, obviously against France, they went down to 10 men with Nico Williams getting sent off. And in the second game, they made them eight changes. And I think, I don't I don't think Rob Page knows what his settled 11 is. Like Conor Roberts has barely featured and he, he's, he, he's four, the fourth most creative. Uh, player in Europe's top uh, top leagues with fifty three big chances created, whereas you know it's behind Wendia, sorry George, uh, Grealish and Chanoglu, who obviously will be one of the players that they come up against. They, they've got some of the creativity in there. It's just as as a unit on, on the ball as well against Albania, they were very good, but they didn't create enough. And like uh, when when everyone's feeding off scraps, but if they could play to their advantages, get Kiefer Moore on the in the air on the ball, bring the other players in there. I think Joe Allen's another player that could recapture that form as well. But um, overall, I think it's 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 too much of a mix, too unsettled yeah. as well. They're relying on a out-of-sorts Gareth Bale and an injury-prone Aaron Ramsey, really, to do most of the talking for them. And it's it's difficult to see what they'll be able to do. And, and you look at Danny Ward, Ethan Ampadu, Nico Williams... These are players that don't play week in, week out, especially Danny Ward, who hasn't played, I don't think, a minute of Premier League football in at least two or three seasons. So they're not just struggling in personnel. They just, they've just got players that aren't particularly match-sharp either, which is which is a worry. But when you have a player like Gareth Bale, I know he's been in and out of the Tottenham team, but when he has played, I think he's been very impressive. He can just win you games against teams like Turkey and Switzerland. Do I think he will? 
no, I, I think I've got them bottom of the group as well. But I think a player of that quality, he can just turn up, smack one in from the 30 yards and they can defend a 1-0 for the rest of the game. So, uh, like I said, I'm not particularly excited by this Wales size, but when you've got a player of that quality, anything can happen. Yeah, and Harry just mentioned there, he's, he got them bottom of his uh, of his tournament predictor, so he doesn't have quite as high hopes for them as he does for Scotland. Um, Sam, are you thinking similar for Wales? You, you didn't sound too optimistic about their chances. I am. I think they could sneak third because I'm not too confident about Switzerland either. I think Italy will win the group. I'm, I've been very impressed with them. And Turkey looked very good with that Lille spine that they've got. Obviously, I haven't, they're having one league and they look pretty strong. They look like one of the dark horses even. So I think they could get something from Switzerland. I don't think the likes of Xhaka and Shakiri have really struggled this season in the Premier League. So maybe they could get something there, but I would not be surprised to see them finish bottom. Devin, do you agree with the two guys there? Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because I think there is, like, even though I said that, I don't think there's that much quality. I think there is a quality in there and I think if they had a different group where there's one clear, yeah, I, I think Turkey and and I think Turkey are in a similar boat where they it could be a hit or miss tournament for them. But I think they have got a very exciting spine as as Sam said. Um, but I think it'll just be too much of a stretch. I think Switzerland are very good at winning games in tournaments, especially in group stages. Um, and I think Wales, due to all the unsettlement of the Gig's case, I think it'll just be a bit too much for him. Yeah, I think I'd be inclined to agree. Although I do think Gareth Bale, while he's had a kind of up and down season at Spurs and he's had long spells not playing, I, I think he has showed in the spells where, you know, he's got a break and he's really been getting on the ball. I think he has showed that he, he's still got that ability that he, he had all those years ago at Spurs and at, at the start of his Real Madrid career. So I think maybe there's a chance he shows up and does something and drags them to the last 16. Who knows? Um, but that's all we've got to say, I think, on the home nations. Um, before we tie it up, we just want to make a few general predictions about the tournament as a whole. Um, we've got a list of about yeah, five five different categories here, or, or maybe others if we've got any other suggestions. Um, starting with, I think there's only one place to start, who we think will win the tournament. Um, we've spoken about one of the, one of the maybe the favourites to be up there. I think perceived by the English bookmakers, it, England have been put up there. Are any of us thinking England? Um, does anyone want to volunteer to start on, uh, on this one? I mean, we said no. our piece. We said our piece on England, really, and it's yeah. quite clear where we stand. Obviously, we'd all want that to happen, but whether it will, I am not too sure. Who have you got for it, then, Sam? I think watch out for Italy, but I'm going to be boring and say France. I think they're just their squad is too deep, and they can they can make the alterations when they need to, and still be the best team at the tournament. Yeah, and Harry, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'm going to go with Sam. I'm going to go boring. I'm going to go France. You look at the group. If they top the group, they got the third-place team from Wales's group. So that could be anyone from Wales, Switzerland, or Turkey. Then in the next rounds, I think it's going to be pretty simple as well. In my eyes, they've got Scotland, but they could also have Poland. So... Yeah, I think they've got a relatively easy run if they do top their group, because that, that could be a big thing. If they don't top their group, if they come second or third, because that could happen. Germany Germany or Portugal can cause those upsets. It's not even really upsets, really, because they're two top teams as well. But yeah, I, I think France France have got it for me. France have the got it again, just the squad depth. Interesting thing with France. I mean, it's not really a problem necessarily, but the fact that they've brought Benzema back in, he's mm. a brilliant goal scorer for, for Real Madrid, but they've got... Olivier Giroud, who's just absolutely prolific for France. I think he scored his 46th goal for them the other day. And they've got how they could mix up with Mbappe and Griezmann as well. It'll be interesting to see how Didier Deschamps finds that balance as well. Certainly will. Devon, are you in agreement? Are you plumping for you're France? All, you're all just boring. 
I've gone with France as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I really, really want, I think me and Sam are on the right lines uh, or similar anyway, because I really want the dark horse that I've picked to win. And I think they could, but just look at that French side, just players in there, match winners, World Cup winners, squads absolutely brimming. It's The squad is that good that the players that have, that form the players not taken, 11, is going to be bombarded with French talent, and I think that again, balance is a big thing, and they've got uh, they've got uh, again winners everywhere, and I think the French will prosper. I do think Germany will be could do it, but I think France will be the the team. Yeah, I I think France are quite rightly the big favourites for it, as all three of you have just outlined there and it's kind of hard to look beyond them as, as much as I think England could get to that final and then maybe in, in a final at Wembley who knows but I'm, I'm not going to try and persuade you to believe my opinion on that anymore um, before we move on I do think a team we maybe haven't mentioned too much here is Belgium um, who I, I think they, they've got potential to go deep into the tournament as they did do at the World Cup um, I kind of look at their group and think they've got a very good chance to build some momentum there. I, th- I think their group is very kind to them, Denmark, Finland and Russia. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of what you get with the 2014 Euros is that you're going to get some groups that are like that. And I, I think there's a good chance they win all three of those games and go into the knockouts in really good mood. Um, but I think there are some concerns over their ageing defence as well. So that could be an issue for them. Um, but I, I do think they could maybe be considered as another option. Um, we'll move Certainly on now. Not bad. Certainly. Um, we'll move on now to the player of the tournament, or I think they call the award the golden ball, don't they? Um, I think this will typically, in previous tournaments, it tends to go to a player for... Um, the winners of the tournament, although not all the time, of course, because was it the World Cup? Was it Modric? Did he yeah. win the award? Mess- yeah, and Messi won it in 2014 as well. I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe not then. Who who are we lining up for this one? Is it a French player, Harry? Probably. I mean, I think they will be the do- dominant team. I don't want to go boring and just say Mbappe because he'll probably win the young player of the, the tournament as well because he's only 22, so he does about sneak into that category. But I'm going to go a bit different. I want to go and Golo Kante is going to win. I think he will be the heart of that midfield. He's shown it in the Champions League that he can change games from a defensive midfield standpoint. I think we're not going back to the Champions League review. But I think if they don't have him and Man City do, I think Manchester City win that tournament. So, yeah, I'm going to go and Golo Kante. That partnership of Pogba in the midfield is going to be dis- disgraceful for other teams coming up against them. I don't know how they're going to break through it. So, yeah, and Golo Kante for me, just because he's got a lovely smile as well. I really like him, so I'll go for Ngolo Kante. <laughs> Anyone else got Kante in the running? I have to say, I've, I've got him written down. Devin, yeah. you got your hand One up? One thing with Kante is he hasn't actually played a lot for France recently, so it'd be interesting to see where, the, where he gets in. I think he will, because he's like mm. the perfect partner for someone like Paul Pogba, obviously, who likes to get forward more and spray the passes about as that anchor in midfield, but it'd be interesting to see what Deschamps goes with. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um in terms of players for other teams, then it, if it was an England player, so, say if we made the last four, do you think you'd be looking at Harry Kane or maybe even maybe even Phil Foden? I know I, I think we're going to come on to young player. And I, I think he's the favourite for that at the moment. But if he was to have that breakthrough tournament, maybe you couldn't even rule him out on this one. No, I don't know. No, maybe um, not. I think he's going to be our, our main creative spark, obviously, but interesting i think kane will obviously be our main goal getter and that'll if we do well in the tournament that'll put him towards the top of that consideration but we'll see yeah i think there's a few outsider shouts not from i think the person that wins it's got to play every game most minutes are every game the problem with phil foden is that and i think so because we've got an embarrassment of riches in that forward line is that I feel like some games we'll see Foden sacrifice for somebody else. Or, you know, like if he'll start with Rashford and Sterling, if he starts with 
Sancho and somebody else. It's, it's are we going to have Foden in there? And I hope we do. But I think I, I don't think the the sort of player of the tournament is going to come from England, unfortunately, unless it's Harry Kane, with with who absolutely blows everyone away with a with a top goal scorer, uh, golden boot. I think other players I've I've got Kante as we've said, but uh, Nico Barea is a phenomenal talent, box to box midfielder. He's really come on. Uh, Come up in the last few years, improving on the other side of his game, obviously starting as a defensive midfielder. I think he could be someone underrated for an underrated, well, not underrated, but like a dark horse in Italy who will go on to probably most likely. Uh, players like Romelu Lukaku is coming off a fantastic year um, as well. And if he if he can implement the goal-scoring habits, like I said, the player of the tournament could be somebody that will get gets the goals. And if Belgium certainly gets to the final, it'll probably be because Lukaku's there's goals. Uh, and one last person just to throw into the ring, Diego Jota. I think he is someone that's not being talked about at, pretty much at all when we discuss Portugal. I think it's been more of a Ronaldo's Portugal, but Jota's looking good for Portugal at the minute. Five five goals in his last six, I think, for, for Portugal. And he's had the same impact with Liverpool. It's just that, that injury that seems to be a little bit hanging over him. Yeah, there's oh. certainly a few Portuguese players who I think you could throw in the ring. Moving on then to the golden boot. Um, Devon, you mentioned Lukaku there as maybe one for the golden ball, but surely the golden boot too, right? Yes, but he's not written down in mine. I've gone I, had, for... I had Lukaku as my pick. I think if you, 35 if you like goal contributions for Inter Milan this season. He's going to be ready. Having won the Serie A with Inter Milan this season, I think he's going to be... It's going to be fired up for this. And like you say, the Belgium have a pretty favourable group. I think there's a lot of goals to be got there. And he's he's very prolific for Belgium. 59 in just 91 appearances. 38 of those have come in competitive matches. So I think he's a, a, a real shout for the golden boot. Yeah, I think that there's maybe some obvious names we could throw in and ones that we've already mentioned as well. Devon, who have you got written down? Uh Robert Lewandowski, as Thomas Muller uh, gave him the nickname, he's obviously broke Jed Muller's goal um, in one season in Bundesliga history. Of he scored forty-one goals in just twenty-nine games, and he's also another thing is that he scored twenty-two goals in his past fourteen games, and they all them goals have come in each game, so consecutively, he's probably the form player coming into this tournament. Uh, and you look in previous years, Griezmann. Um, somehow I don't know why I've not wrote, wrote it down, but I think Griezmann's got got four or five uh, in 2016. Then there were six players on three goals, and in in 2008, David Villa got four. And we're talking, no one's really talking about Poland going the distance, but I think they'll get out of the group. He's got a very favourable group, as we said with uh, Belgium. He's got uh, they're playing against Slovakia, Spain, and Sweden, which I think he could rack up some goals in there. And I think. I do think they could get to a quarter-final. I think they've got a decent squad and, and obviously Robert Lewandowski's goals can be the difference, but I've got him as my golden boot. Yeah, I think he's certainly a fair shout also because with these major tournaments, you sometimes don't need to score that many goals to win a golden boot. So I think it's definitely a good shout. Harry, who have you got written down? I've gone for a bit of an alternative one. I think because of how easy Holland's group stage is, like they've got Austria, North Macedonia, and Ukraine, I think Memphis Depay could genuinely be in a shout to get the golden boot. I think he's got those three games where he could get three or four in those few games. Then he's got a, I wouldn't say a favourable knockout stage, but they, they have the third place team uh, from the group of death, you could say, if they, if they top it. So that could be Portugal, that could be Germany. And if they sneak through that, then they've got another favourable draw from me. I think they've got Turkey or Denmark, I think, from my side anyway, if the draw goes the way I've predicted it. And of course, it will go that way. So I will be <laughs> correct. So there's a few games that I really think he could rack up the goal. Similar to Lewandowski, they're a team that I wouldn't necessarily say are favourites. They're nowhere near favourites. They haven't qualified for the last couple. But I think De Depay could seriously be in the shout for for this golden boot. You can never rule out Ronaldo as well. Just, just yeah, to put yeah. him there, obviously with records on the rise and he's level with Platini for most goals in the Euros with nine. And he's also chasing the record for most goals in men's international football. I believe he's on 103, chasing 109. So 
those records in sight, I think he'll be ready as well. Yeah, definitely worth throwing in. Sam, before we move on, I'll be putting a pound on Timu Puki, but we don't need to speak about that. You may as well just give us a quid. (laughs) Ten ten goals in qualifying, didn't he get? Absolutely right, Sam. One of only four players, I think it was. So, got to be worth a quid. Got to back Sam, why have you given him some more fuel there? Um, Very, very quickly then, because I'm conscious of time. Um, Young player. We mentioned Phil Foden there. I think he's definitely going to be one to consider for this. Any any other suggestions, though? Any other England players, maybe? Jude Bellingham. I Jude think for England. England. For England, Bellingham will be time, pick. Yeah. I, I think he has to get game time. You've seen, even though, the, again, just friendlies, he was the only, at 17 years old, he's absolutely outshone Bar Grealish, everybody in that side. Even when he came on against... Um, Romania, that's it. Um, I think then, even though he's played, what, 10, 15, 20 minutes, he, he just seemed to rejuvenate the side in midfield and we were a lot more progressive. Um, but I think just even his season as well, 2.4 tackles across 10 Champions League games, shows his maturity. He's playing abundant, uh, beyond his years and he's actually taking responsibility, which is, you don't, you know, you see... 28-year-old midfielders shine away and I think with Henderson on the knife edge between if he comes back too soon and I can see him pulling especially with an hamstring injury so he only takes one sudden movement to get that that back in and you're out for another four weeks so I think I think Bellingham's going to be a big part of our success if we have any. Sam, Harry, very very quickly, any other names you want to throw into the ring? Just going to go boring. They're saying Mbappe is 22. He could finish the top goal score. He's probably going to win the Euro. So that's my little roundup of that. I think Mbappe will probably get it. Boring though, as it seems. I had a couple outside ones. Bastoni for Italy, young centre-back. I think he's he's been key for Inter as well this season. Uh, Jeremy Doku for Belgium. Also Malin, who I mentioned in the other vi- Euros video for, for Holland as well. Exciting pacey winger. I think those are outside shouts. Mm-hmm. And... Uh... Jao Felix for Portugal as well. Devon mentioned Yotta for the for a previous award. I, I think Felix has maybe got a good shout. Um, Dark Horse. Then is there anyone? Is there any team that we'd like to throw in as going to be the next Iceland or the next Wales? I like Turkey. Like I mentioned before, that Lille spine, Yilmaz leading the way. You also got Kalad. I can't say his name. I think you know. Yeah, that's the one. That. <laughs> Very solid defensively in qualifying as well. I think they only conceded three goals in ten games. Obviously, Soyuncu, their standout defender. So I think they're one that a lot of people are, are, are looking at, but one's definitely look out for. Okay, then Sam has put Turkey forward, which is a very valid shout, I would say, for a team to make it to the latter stages. Devon, who would you plump for on this one? The the thing that we're a little bit we were a bit uh, back and forth on whether we can class these as a, a dark horse, but I think Italy, considering where they have been in previous years, I think Italy could be a dark horse to win the whole thing, uh, rather than you know like Turkey expect to go latter stages. You, you know Poland could be one that makes a quarters or the semis. You know you never know, but I think Italy just I think the force that they're coming into this the twenty one games unbeaten. Squads full of talent, they're defensively uh, astute, disciplined, and they're really hard to break down as well. I, I mean, um, <clears throat> Sam mentioned uh, Bastone as one of them players, but either side of him, he's got experience there. Going forward, Federico Chiesa, I mean, we saw the, we, we, we waxed lyrical about that Porto versus Juventus game, didn't we? And he was one from that Juventus side that looked like he was going to create something. And this season, 15 goals, 11 assists. Um, obviously, Ronaldo has got more because um, he's a, an absolute powerhouse. But uh, Chies has been good. And as I said, m- mentioned his name as well. But I think Berea could be the match winner as well in midfield. Um, there's, there's uncertainties over Ratti fitness-wise, which would be a big blow for them. But I, I agree with Devin. I think they're one to watch out for. They haven't got that superstar player, but... They're a great unit and like you say, they haven't lost since late 2018, which I think is when around when Mancini came in. So he's had a big big impact on them. The the thing is with Veretti as well, if he if he isn't fit, 
know, Lorenzo Pellegrini and Manuel Locatella. There's, there's two great talents in there. I think they're just missing a little bit of experience in that midfield area. It's, you've even got, you know, going forward as well, Bellotti and, and uh, Immobile have really recaptured the form that they showed about, what, four, four or five years ago. They've really come into their own this season and, and players around that. Insigne could be a, a player that drives them forward as well. So it's, it, it's a lot of talent. It just depends on now we're going to see it in a, on an international front of a, of a competition. So um, I think there could be one that could go all the way to the final and beat you know, Scotland in that final. <laughs> as Harry's predicted <laughs> not, not Harry what's the your quarterfinal what's <laughs> your take on this could it is Scotland the one that you're maybe putting forward because I think that would be a shock wouldn't it I, I think they can do a Wales thing I don't think they're going to get to the final I don't think they're going to I don't even really think they're going to get to the semi-final but I think they'll get further than people expect I don't know if you could really call Holland a dark horse but I don't think they've been to what the last two international tournaments and they're here they've got a great uh, they've got a great group don't get me wrong I don't I don't rate them that highly especially without Van Dyke without Donny van der Beek who's also been ruled out but like we talked about of England if you get momentum if you win three games out of three which they should do I think it could be a great tournament for them I think Denmark also a very underrated side. I think they're co- the core of their squad, I think, is very decent. You look at the players like Schmark, who is an FA Cup winner, Hoiberg, Eriksen, Vestergaard, there's Delaney, there's a, a couple of players that I, I'm missing out there as well. I think because of their core, because of their spine, I think they could shock a few teams as well. So Denmark, Scotland and and the Netherlands, if any of them, obviously the furthest one that I think will get there would be, would be Holland. But watch out for the other two. They might cause a couple of shocks along the way. Yeah, if anything, Harry, I'm a bit annoyed you slipped Denmark in there. I, I couldn't quite believe it as we went through you that none of you have mentioned it, but there you are. You, you slid it in because Denmark is a team I've got written down as well. And for the reasons you've mentioned there, that they've got a pretty nice group to start off with, which I'd be very surprised if they don't get out of. And then I think when I did the predictor that they at least made the quarterfinals. Lacking um, a goal scorer, though, I think Denmark. Mm. I think Paulson. Yeah. We got Paulson. I forgot the other name. Casper uh, Joelberg. Yeah, that's the one. But I think they're they're that's not prolific. They're not prolific goal scoring wise. But go on, Josh. Do, do yeah. you do you, do you well, need a a prolific goal scorer in, in in a tournament like this? You know, I think Euro twenty sixteen was pretty low scoring. I think yeah, they'll be, they'll believe in what they've got. I, I think it's definitely a valid point, and I I certainly don't see them winning it but I think there's some good options in there Um, I think there is strength everywhere in that in in just especially that spine as we've alluded to I mean players like Christensen well Champions League winner um, Anderson is 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 a good backup is it Simeon Kaja I don't know if it might be Simon Kaja I don't know if I'm trying to be a bit too too nice with the tongue there but continental um, yeah (laughs) but the um the there's too much football daily and Euro football daily at the minute, uh, but the you know like Paulson could be that spark who knocks it onto someone like a sister or a scoff, um that'll get in them areas and you know like like uh, like George said you don't have to have one opponent goal scorer you could if everyone's firing and chipping in like we had in the World Cup obviously Kane scored them goals but we had you know goals coming from defence and midfield it's. It's a team like Denmark have that overall quality around them, and also the the if you think about it in previous tournament, I don't think the the squad has changed too much either. I think they've got a bit of there's a, there's a bit of cohesion there. I have to say I, I can't quite believe none of us have got Hungary as our dark horse. To be honest, there, there is Spain there is a late part... shout maybe with Joe Moreno in the hot form he's been for. Villarreal, we saw him in the Europa League final, especially impressed impressed there. Maratta as well had a good season for Juventus, twenty goals. I think he got in Syria, so I think mm. it'll be difficult for just, them. Obviously, a young squad. It's going to be tough for Luis Enrique, but maybe an outside shot. I I don't know. I think it's too early for the squad, and I think they like and, and to quote an Arsenal manager, they, they like Cajones a little bit, don't they? Uh, I don't think they they're really the full package yet anyway. And I think in that, in that side, I'd, I'd expect, I, th- I think Poland will top that group personally. 
um, and Spain obviously will get through because of the, I, don't, I think they're a little bit better than Sweden and they're probably a lot better than Slovakia but I don't know I'm a bit worried for Spain unless I think it's probably a tournament as I said too early if Luis Enrique can embed that early if you're thinking that a year's time or two eventually them, squad, them players will play more games and uh, especially together as well I just find it quite odd that he, he only picked 24 players and Ramos, yeah. even though he's injured, I'm surprised he just didn't chuck him in there just for the leadership and just because he because he knows how to win games. Maybe that's because I've been around England a lot of the time and we pick half half fit players, but only selecting 24 out of a possible 26. Maybe because he likes the small group. I, I imagine Lewis Enrique like, likes that. That's why he's only gone for the 24, but I found that a bit interesting. You never know. He might, like, like Ray Keane said, he might... He might not do the card trips or the, the quizzes <laughs> in the afternoon. So that's that Ramos oh, probably dear. that's why he's not in there. <laughs> yeah, there we have it then. We have uh we've made several predictions there, and we will hopefully try and come back to these once the tournament is over in around a month's time. But by which point we we'll have a month of kind of friendlies and no football, which will be really strange for everyone. But um I think you can see just how excited we are for this tournament. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter um, and on Facebook and maybe on TikTok as well. We're, we're going to try and maybe start to do kind of daily reviews during Revive the tournament. The don't, don't, don't hold <laughs> us to that, but just it's keep, coming an back. Get, keep an eye on it. That There might be something popping up on there um, over the next few weeks. By the time we next release a podcast episode 34 um england will have just put five past croatia and everyone will be dancing on the street um, suggestions as well if you want if you've made it this far please tell us what you want to want what you want to see because i Absolutely. think we're not sure exactly Absolutely. what we want to do so i mean we've already had the briefing we've said no george you can't do a silhouette challenge <sighs> <laughs> Deary me. Um, Deary sorry, me. sorry to anyone who, who has made it this far for Devon putting that image in your head. Um, but no, uh, it, it's, I think it's time to end it there. Thank you very much for watching, and uh, we will see you next week. In, enjoy the weekend as well, it's going to be great. So, see you later.